You're listening to a classic business podcast as heard on Classic 1027. 1027. Well, the rand is certainly moving in the right direction, having a fourth uh, day of gains today as uh, it's more stimulus and uh, the market loves stimulus like macaques love bananas. The rand was up uh, 0.7% to the dollar and uh, looking uh, uh, pretty good uh, for the first day of the last quarter of 2020. The JSE all share ended the day up at 54,446 points, uh, up by 0.34%. All sectors uh, sea-facing except for resources. Who's selling our miners? Uh, miners having a terrible day today, despite platinum, palladium, gold, silver, all having pretty good days. Uh, globally, uh, it was uh, a pretty mixed affair. The FTSE and uh, France's CAC 40 enjoying good days. Germany's DAX was flat and US stocks uh out of the blocks at the open, uh, looking at where we are at the moment. They've come back a little bit. The Dow up 0.37%, the S&P up 04 and the Nasdaq just uh, around 1%. Let's call it that. Chantal Marks, Head of Equity Research at F&B Wealth and Investments, and Petri Redlinghays, founder of Herenia Capital Advisors, uh, two of my favourites. Have your view from the market, Chantal. Who's selling our miners? I don't think someone is specifically selling the miners. What I think is happening at the moment is probably a bit of a rotation. So the idea that I'm getting is that there's a lot more positivity around what value is look like in SA Inc. or domestic stocks. So I think that you're probably seeing a bit of a rotation out of the miners and resources stocks and into financials and consumer goods stocks. And, uh, I mean, the dogs agree with you in the background, certainly. Uh, Petri, what does your bird have to say about what uh, the markets did today? <laughs> I actually, uh, actually agree with Chantal. I think that we're starting to see some of the mid-cap stocks uh, becoming a bit more attractive, uh, as well as financials and retailers. I mean, if you look at the way machine could trade today, closing retailers did really, really well. Um, and that, I think, is on the back of a bit of rotation. I think that there probably is um, a little bit of more, a little bit more optimism Coming into markets as we see the the US market, you know, basically broke the downtrend that they put in. They had a fairly decent size correction, just about ten percent. And uh, it seems that it's also can go for rally on that side again. And that I think is bringing a little bit of positivity in. We've seen that uh, reflected in the rand. We've seen that reflected in the way that the financials are trading, particularly as we know, financials and retailers are generally the bellwether of. Um, you know, the easiest stocks to invest in, most liquid stocks to invest in, at least in South Africa. So um, there could be a little bit of uh, a rotation out of some of the things that have performed really well um, and, and into the things that are currently offering value. Yeah, lots of value. Can I use the word value? Word? Can I use the word value? Is it not a swear word anymore? No, <laughs> we can use the word value. I think, uh, Chantel, to bring you in here, uh, there's certainly, um, shall we say, a concurrence of uh, opinion here amongst fund managers looking at uh, Bank of America Merrill Lynch's SA Fund Manager Survey, which came out today. A record net 69% of fund managers see the equity market up in six months and uh, a record 60% plus on average see the market up 10% uh, out 12 months. So there is a, a much better feel and mood about the place. That said... Uh, wh what's happened to all the old risks? What's happened to all the political risk and the ESCOM risk and uh, you know, earnings not being as uh, strong as we had hoped? Uh, where's that gone? 
Yeah, I mean, so so when I looked at that specific uh, publication, two things stood out to me. Like, as you rightly say, the fact that managers are quite bullish on equities. And the second thing is that they see value in the long end of the bond curve, which is actually quite a risky part of the bond curve. So what it tells me, and if you consider that this, this survey was probably taken a week or two ago before all the good news started coming in uh, in terms of SA Inc., is that the price was right and uh, the swear word value coming to the fore again. I mean, when, when we assessed the equity market a, a week or two ago, when you think about it from a top-down perspective, you're kind of iffy about it. But as soon as you start looking at valuations and potential upside in individual stocks and you aggregate that, that 10 to 12% actually makes sense. So it's more bottom-up story than a top-down story. It's more valuation story than a risk story. That said, though, as you alluded to, that was two weeks ago. Um, who said a week uh, is sometimes when decades can happen? Lennon, I think, once said that. And that's certainly the sort of week that we've had, Piotr. We've had um, high-profile arrests related to state capture. Richard M. Dluley, the kingpin uh, enforcer under former President Zuma, whoever thought that he would see uh, the inside of a jail cell? Well, <clears throat> he's lost his appeal. He's going to jail for five years. Uh, we had uh, a further arrest today. We've had movement on energy procurement. We've had movement on spectrum. Things are changing. Well, it's about time. Yeah. <laughs> and I suppose we, we shouldn't complain too much. I mean, it is definitely uh, moving in the right direction. Um, I think also that we've been putting as the public, we've been putting government under quite a lot of pressure around, um, you know, some of these, uh, what do you want to say? Well, I call it fraud, I guess, that's been happening with the COVID funds and all that kind of stuff. So um, maybe that pressure that we've been putting on government around, like, look, we need to sort the situation out. We have to, we have to start getting a handle on corruption. It's finally starting to yield some results, which is encouraging. Um, and I think that this is probably going to be an encouraging factor for, uh, you know, the attractiveness of South Africa and offshore as an investment destination for offshore investors. Um, we've seen them be very negative about us in the past. Um, and now it seems, you know, the major things that are, uh, that have been the negative catalyst, political instability, corruption, ESCOM, SAA, these things are starting to, well, SAA not yet, but, um, these things are starting to starting to be addressed, which is which is fantastic. I mean, the ESCOM's news, I mean, ESCOM is still a mess, make no mistake. But the fact that IPPs can start coming to market uh, fairly soon is is a huge, huge, huge uh, sort of move in the right direction, right? Yeah, well, it, it helps with your energy security uh, issues that big industry have had. It doesn't help, obviously, with the, the, the balance sheet that ESCOM is still laboring under and what to do with at least 250 billion rands of that debt. But I do hear that moves are afoot uh, on that as well. Uh, so things, um, and yes, it's not about counting our chickens or one swallow uh, just to carry on all the bird analogies things are moving in the right direction though and uh, it'd be churlish not to recognize it let's turn to some company news now though Chantel 41 years uh, inside uh, ShopRite and Christo Visa has finally announced that he is stepping down as ShopRite chairperson and uh, Miss Wendy Lucas Bull is announced as uh, chairperson designate 
Chantal, are you still there? Do you have any thoughts on that? Not at all? You don't care? ShopRite shareholders didn't care much today. ShopRite was down uh, 0.7 or 0.8%. Petri, what is your sense around ShopRite and uh, the departure of one Christo Visa? Uh, well, I'm very interested in now what his next moves are going to be from here, right? Um, where is he going to be investing? Where is he going to be spending his attention and his time? Um, stepping away from ShopRite is, is, a, is a big move. I mean, obviously, he, he was one of the key, uh, you know, drivers behind that business for many, many, many years. And it's encouraging to see that uh, that a woman gets the role. That's uh, very encouraging. And looking at a CV, um, she's very, very experienced as well. I don't know too much uh, about her, I'll be very honest with you, but I did have a look at the, the announcements and, the, and the, you know, the experience that she has, and she seems very well-equipped for the role. Um, I like to think that, um, you know, the opportunities it may not, you know, have a material impact on ShopRite immediately. Um, you know, obviously, uh, it's going to take a long time before uh, her influence is, is really felt. But from a opportunistic mindset, if you can, if I can put it that way, um, I would like to be. I'm going to keep my eye on sense to see what uh, uh, what Mr. Visa does with his investments and where he starts to invest and what sort of projects he wants to back. Because uh, you know, he might be retiring. As, uh, as chairman, but I don't think that he's retiring in terms of uh, being an investor and, and being a, a oh. sort of a thought leader, if you will. He's, uh, Pietro, he's got his hands full uh, just trying to recover that Steinhoff mess. That's enough to yeah. keep him full for a few lifetimes, let alone uh, going uh, and starting new ventures. Uh, Wendy Lucas Bull, very, very well known businesswoman, uh, chairs ABSA. Uh, she was formerly the chair of Lafarge. Um, she's uh, been on the boards of Anglo American, Alex Forbes, Nedbank, Telcom Development Bank. She has all the right credentials. And I yeah. think a very uh, welcome and progressive move by uh, ShopRite as well. Certainly dispelling um, any thoughts that it's just a cosy boys club uh, down in Stellenbosch. It's been a day of announcements, uh, board announcements and board appointments, Petri. We've also got the announcement of the new CEO of uh, Spur, Val Nishas, uh, and he uh, will take over the reins from the 1st of January. He's succeeding Pierre van Tonda. Pierre's been there for almost uh, four decades. Uh, uh, I was chatting to him a couple of weeks ago and uh, he believes there's still a lot of opportunity in the QSR space despite all of these pressures around COVID and Uber Eats taking a lot of margin from the restaurants. He's quite bullish. What do you see as the biggest challenge for the new CEO of Spur? Well, I mean, I'd, I'd be very interested to see exactly how badly Spur has been affected by COVID. I mean, I think that they're one of the one of the chains that have been under more pressure than than, than any of the rest. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think as long as we don't see Spur going out and buying uh, British burger companies, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> sure, I'm sure things will, will be all right. I mean, I think for now, uh, the challenge is really just to get people back into the, uh, back into the restaurants. And, and um, you know, I think there's quite a bit of pricing pressure that these guys have to fight as well, right? Um, because the industries have been decimated. And unfortunately, that obviously impacts supply chains and, and, and uh, put sort of food inflation pressures on. So it'll be interesting to see how they, how they sort of contain costs and how they navigate the recovery out of uh, essentially, you know, the, lock, the COVID lockdowns. Um, I think the bigger 
sort of restaurant businesses, QSR businesses, they'll mostly survive, right? It's the smaller ones that are that are going to be hit the hardest because it's, you know, the people have balance sheets that they can fall back on when times mm. get tough and they mm. can do rights issues and all sorts of stuff. Um, so I don't know. I'd be more, I think, let's see first how the rest of the, you know, how the rest of the year goes and if there's some sort of an earnings recovery. And then I think we'll have a clear picture of exactly what the challenges are that the company faces. Should- right now I'm still a bit in the dark. On, on what's really happening there. Chantelle, I want to bring you in here. I can still hear your dogs barking. So is Spur a dog or a diamond? <laughs> well, I, mean, I think Spur is actually a diamond in the rough. And I think that the, the leadership changes at the moment could actually get it back on, on track. When I, I visited a Spur in Newcastle over the, over the weekend as we were traveling back from KZN. And as a parent, there probably isn't a better place to take your child. Uh-huh. And the, the wings are fantastic and the safes are, are really good. So I think they just need a little bit of, of a fresh perspective. Uh, perhaps think twice about the cultural appropriation that's going on in their safe ranches right now. Um, and I think that leadership changes at the top, uh, even though their previous leadership was really strong, uh, could just be the, the ticket for Spur to reignite growth. Uh, yeah, they should couldn't. bring back the hot truck. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, there, and there are a few issues around uh, uh, serving uh, certain beverages uh, in 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 certain locations where they seem to have profiled their customer uh, and sometimes get that a little bit wrong. But I think in the main, I couldn't agree with you more, Chantel. And in terms of a restaurant that is very South African and catering for the family um, uh, diner, someone who's just looking for a place where the little tykes can run off. A, a bit of steam. Uh, lastly, uh, interesting to see that Coke is looking to get into the alcoholic beverage market for the first time. They're partnering with Molson Coors to produce a hard version of a drink called Topo Chico. How much do you know about this story, Pietri? Uh, it seems to make sense for Coke because its traditional line of sugary, uh, sweetened, carbonated beverages is under attack by governments all over the world who want to tax it to death. Yeah, so they have to find a way to diversify. I would have actually thought, um, you know, there was there was some rumors and millions and stuff going around about SAB and and and, and how the Bush in bed wanting to get into the cannabis beverage business not so long ago, um, and that was sort of I think about a year or so ago that was relatively topical. So I'm actually quite surprised to see that Coca-Cola didn't make a push into that market um, because that's probably going to be one of the faster growing markets over the next 20 to 50 years, right? Um, so it's an, it's an interesting move. I mean, I'm not really sure. I don't see, you know, making alcoholic beverages is very different to uh, just making sort of caffeinated and uh, sort of fizzy drinks, if you will. I mean, they make a huge variety of different things. So they definitely have the distribution and the supply chain uh, aspects, you know, from a, a logistics perspective. They can really, you know, manufacture and distribute very, very broadly. So I think it'll be a relatively easy entrance for them to get into. Um, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But you know, to, to are they going to sort of try and compete on the scale that someone like Anheuser Busch is, is uh, manufacturing? I absolutely don't think so. Um, unless that's their long-term plan, I'm not 100% sure. I think it'll be interesting to see whether or not uh, whether or not it it works.
Yeah, competition in uh, the, the, the big brewer space is certainly welcome, but we'll have to uh, watch this one quite closely to see exactly how it develops. Pietri Redling is founder of Renia Capital Advisors and Chantal Marks, head of equity research at F&B Wealth and Investments uh, with your view from the market. It's a jungle out there.